This podcast was recorded a few days prior to the sudden passing of Kobe and Gigi Bryant and all others who lost their lives in a helicopter crash on January 26, 2020. In this interview, we spoke about Kobe and Gigi in reference to how Jan will potentially see himself interacting with his daughters when he retires. From the No Referees team, we'd like to send our deepest condolences to the Bryant family and all other families involved. Our thoughts and prayers go out to them during this difficult time. Thank you and enjoy the interview. Welcome to the No Referees Podcast, where we have unpenalized conversations with sports personalities on industry news, their grind, the game, and much more. Please check us out on our social media pages at No Referees Pod for up-to-date info on the show. No rules, no texts, no whistles. This is No Referees Podcast. Welcome back to the No Referees Podcast. I'm your host, Everstock Joby, joined by my very, very special friend and family, 13-year NBA veteran, <laughs> NBA champion, owner of the highest high waters in the NBA, my friend, my brother, Washington Wizards Center at Yanu76, Mr. Yan Mahimni. What up, brother? What up, brother? What up, man? Hey, what's up? How you doing today? I'm doing great. Hey, man. Hey, Ian, oh, Yan. Yo, I done heard both. I never asked you this question before. Why do people say Ian? Why do people say Yan? What's the difference? We're not doing this. We are. I want to know. You've been to me with me way too long. I mean, but man. I know, but a lot of people don't know. It's Yan. I know it's Yan, but I'm saying, but why do some people call because, you Ian? Because it's, it's spelled I-A-N. I know, but I'm saying. So, like, people <laughs> assume, you know, people <laughs> from here, you know, assume that, you know, it's Ian. But... But really, it's a French deal. It's really not a French deal, though. How you like that? <laughs> no. But it's it's funny because, you know, my mom from Jamaica, and um, and the good part of uh, my family, especially on the Jamaican side, um, till this day, they still call me Ian. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. How? And my mom is the one that was like, yo, his name is Jan. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, no, it's it's Jan, but I have some people calling me Ian. I don't take nothing for often. Uh, if you ask me, I'll tell you it's Jan. Okay. All right. That's a, I think I met, uh, what's my man's uh, joke him know that? Uh, Yannick. Yannick. You, uh, yeah. Is Jan short for Yannick or just two different names? It's two different names. Two, okay. Yeah. Man, thought again. Thought it was a French deal. French thing. <laughs> You're going to quit with that French deal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll talk about your your upbringing. You mentioned your mom's from Jamaica, your father from Benin. Yeah. You know, they migrated to France. How did that come about? Oh, you want the whole spill? Well, well give whole, us the like the the paraphrase, the, 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 the short version, the short clean version, the short clean version. Well, this is an unpenalized podcast. You can give us the dirty version <laughs> if there is one. No, I'm gonna make a, a long story short. Now, my mom from Jamaica, she left. Um, she left Jamaica, uh, early twenties, um, to um, to go overseas because uh, she had brothers and sisters over there already, and she wanted, you know, she wanted a new fresh start. And uh, my dad left Benin uh, to continue um, his studies, and uh, you know, eventually he became a teacher. And um, my dad, that you met, you mm-hmm. know, very smart, intelligent, obviously my my role model, but somebody that is very smart and spilled multiple language. Um, 
got uh, hired by this private school in my hometown and uh, ended up being one of the director uh, towards the end of his career. But to make a long story short, my dad had this school where um, that school was basically taking every foreign people in and uh, teaching them the, the base of French, uh, you know, math, geography, all that stuff. And uh, I was trying to give, uh, you know, give those guys like a solid foundation so they could find a job. Mm. So my mom coming from Jamaica mm. went to that school. Ah. <laughs> and the rest is history. And that's history. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's crazy. But yeah, um, you know, you know, when you hear my mom telling the story and my dad, you know, it, it's crazy because, you know, uh, my mom never wanted to talk to our teacher. And you know, eventually <laughs> my dad got her. He was very, uh, uh, I want to say, um, confident. Growing up in France, you had the the patois and then you, so, had, and then you had the uh, the French and the wee wee. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. The house is crazy. My mom actually learned French when she had me. Ah. So my Older siblings are, you know, Jamaican speaking, Jamaican Patois speakers. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad speaks five different languages. Wow. And uh, obviously when I came, my mom was starting to be fluent in French. Right. So she didn't give me the Jamaican patois. Ah. I'm always so mad at her for that. And Dang. I'm like, come on, mom, this is such a big heritage. Man. Right. Like, you, you had, like, why you stop at me? Like, why <laughs> my oldest sisters, and why everybody's is good, and I'm not. <laughs> you like, you just like, but you can understand, though, huh? I can understand a okay. lot, you know, but it's very similar to English. Same thing with my dad. So my dad speaks also um, Fon and Yoruba. And you being Nigerian, you yeah. know about Yoruba. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, uh, same thing. Didn't teach me Yoruba or Fon when I was a kid. So, now I have few words when I go back home every summer. But it's tough. And I'm like, man, this is such a... Uh, this is such a big deal. I know back then yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a big right. deal. But I would love to be, like, speaking all those different languages, you know. And uh, this is something that I have three girls now. And I'm like, from day one, I told my wife, my girls are going to speak French. Mm. I never want them to be <laughs> like me, like 18 years old and, and looking at me and be like, hey, pops, why you never talking right. French? Like, I'm the same thing with my father. He didn't, he came over here early, uh, like mid 70s before I was born. And mm -hmm. I grew up with like American culture. Yeah. So I don't even know how to speak my father's Igbo. So I don't know how to speak his language. And every time I go to Africa to visit my family, they are so pissed at my, it's, my dad for not crazy. teaching me the language. I can know if, I know a few words that my uncles and aunts teach me, but mm -hmm. now my son, you know, he's growing up and he, I wish I knew to teach him the language. I know. But that's just how, that's how it is. It's so crazy. And you know, like me, I'm, I'm like, I think it's such a big plus in everybody's, you know, um, life to being able to speak different languages it's just like right away your mind is open right you know? right once you know you could travel to speak a different language and you know it's bigger than america mm -hmm. you know it's bigger than you know wherever you at and whatever the language you speak you know so um i want my, my girls to um grow up with this open-minded and I want them to speak different languages and and it's fun they're like seven four and one mm -hmm. and the seven and the four are already you know 
fluent in mm. French and English, you know, wow. bilingual. And I'm hoping that they're gonna take Spanish and mm. other language, you know, as they grow up. But um, so I, I feel like it's it's such a a plus in right. your life. Right. When you were growing up in French, how do you get involved with uh, basketball? I read that your first love was soccer. You already know that. <laughs> you didn't have to read for <laughs> You know me. No, no. My first love it, it, it definitely was soccer. You know, and soccer is so big in France. Um, you know, you, you have to understand that, you know, if you grow up in France, the first thing that's being introduced to you is a soccer ball. Mm. You know, so... Uh, I grew up in the streets and playing soccer all the time. But the crazy part is that my hometown, Rouen, uh, it's a city up northwest, and it rains a lot, especially <laughs> in the winter. Like, it, it rains so much. It's like Portland here. Hmm. So whenever we can play soccer outside, we'll go inside. Hmm. But sometimes we didn't have any soccer goals inside. But we had basketball, ba ah. basketball uh, goals, you know, so uh, baskets. And, um, <laughs> you know, like we were playing in the streets, you know. So I always had both, but I was, uh, I was, I want to say, a pretty good, decent soccer player. And uh, I was doing very well. And uh, this was my first love. And, I, you know, when I look back, and then you, you know me as a, on the personal side, and uh, I felt like um, there was such a, I got such a tremendous plus as far as my footwork, mm -hmm. you know, because I played soccer for so long. Right. You know. Akeem Lodron was the same. Yes. yes. He, he was a, a really good soccer player. That's why his footwork was so good. It helps. It helps. And, it, you know, and it's not only soccer, you know, guys that, you know, box before, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all that stuff. Like any other sports, you know, once you do it, once you commit it to it, you know, it's going to help you later in life, but uh, I feel like soccer definitely helped me in my footwork. So growing up an inter international kid, you know, you, over here in America, you hear a lot about the international schools and the basketball training schools and things like that. Growing up a teenager, you know, you were playing, you were hooping, and one of the first teams to be able to send scouts and really scout overseas was the Spurs. So talk about how you got found and one how they the, saw you. One of the first team, man, you making me look like a Old, like I'm a dinosaur <laughs> or something. No, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, the Spurs, they, uh, they I want to say, yeah, they're definitely ahead of the game as far as international scouting. Mm -hmm. You know, they, um, they're really good. You know, they, um, they know what they want. They know where to look. And, um, and you know, they, they went and got me. You know, they went and got me in a, such a... You know, my, my team that uh, they drafted me out of is uh, it's called Le Havre, and it's it's a small city, man. Really? It's this really tiny city. So how'd they find you in a small city like that? So I think that what helps the NBA teams as far as, like, international scouting is um, the uh, either the European uh, championship, the youth, mm. you know, you, you like under 16, like – under 18, under right. 20, you know, European Championship, the World Cup, the youth, you know, same thing under 15, I mean, under 16, under 18, under under 20, uh, World Cup and stuff like that. And um, I think, you know, it, it helps a lot. And I was, uh, I was fortunate to play really well with the French national team mm. on those young categories. Ah. So uh, I guess my name kind of, Popped in everybody's radar, 
you know, when when I play those um those competitions, those tournaments, and they follow up, mm-hmm. they follow up, and um, you know, I don't know if if you know exactly what happened, but they, it's very impressive. It's very impressive the amount of time that they spent on me being overseas, and you know, really following my career, you know, gathering information about me, my family. Was I a good student? Was I professional? Was I responsible? You know, they really had people following me. It was, you know, it was very, very impressive to look back, you know, to see the... the They did a due diligence. detail, you know. They really, really, like, pay attention to the detail. And and it's no, for me, there is no... No surprise when I look back right now and I see the the guys that they drafted and how successful they were, like all the guys from overseas that mm-hmm. nobody paid attention right. to. Right. But all of a sudden they come to the Spurs and they become like super nice uh, players, like right. superstars, super efficient. You know, like on my team right now with the Wizards, Davis mm-hmm. and myself. Are like a we are a Spurs product. Mm-hmm. We came in, nobody knew about us. You know, oh, they barely knew how to spell our name, <laughs> say you know, and and look at us now. Right. You know, so really, really respect what the Spurs are doing, especially with the the way they go about bringing and scouting like young talent in the world. So you get drafted two thousand five, right? Two thousand five. Yes. Two thousand five. Right. First round. Yeah. So that I means there, you know, you get drafted. Everybody wants that first round, get that <laughs> that guarantee bag. Yeah, you know. So tell me about how much of an accomplishment that was, you know, for the whole Mahimi family when you get drafted. What well, what did that mean to you? This is crazy, man. You know, I, f- I felt like I was I was 18 years old when I got drafted. You know, and um, everything happened so fast, man. You know, I I went from, uh, you know. I, I started the game kind of late, man. I, I started, I played, I was like 12. I really started to play like 12, 13 years old, you know. So mm. I felt like um, everything just flew by, mm. you know. And to be in a position where, you know, I'm I'm 17 years old and I have scouts coming to my game and I'm like, man, you know, I, I might make this NBA thing. This, <laughs> this, this, might, this might be a real thing. But before that, it, it, it never even crossed my mind. I was watching it on TV, man. I'm like, man, no way. I'm, you know, and I'm playing well. And then my name is coming up. And then I hear this person. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, next thing you know, my agent is like, hey, I really think you're going to get drafted, my guy. <laughs> You know, and I'm 18 years old. What were you doing then? What were you doing on draft night? Where were you at? I was in New York. I was in New York. Okay. Oh, I went there. You went there? Yeah, I shook David Stern, you know, the late David Stern. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, David Stern. But, uh, you know, I shook his hand and, uh, you know, I got on that stage. Wow. What'd that feel like? I got myself a nice suit. Ooh. That suit was baggy back then. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's all all tea underneath Uh, no, the suit the suit was baggy, but uh, you still have it. You still have that suit. Of course, I saved that suit, man. That suit ain't going nowhere. Um, how much does NBA players spend on their whole shoes, watch, like now how, or back then? Back then, let's say how much you spend on your outfit back then. 
My suit was nice, man. Don't disrespect my suit, man. <laughs> I'm asking you. I mean, I, sh- I might have, I might have spent like uh, on my whole fit, probably like fifteen hundred. Oh, okay, that's that's nominal. Yeah. You know, I had to get some nice shoes. You know, you had to get custom shoes. Yes, <laughs> I had to get a nice suit, nice nice tie. Uh, I had a bow tie. I had or Ooh. no, no, no. I had a tie, regular tie. Uh, I had a nice belt, you mm. know, like. And I was, I, th- I thought I was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. when, so when guys walk across the stage, it's and crazy. Then, and then you go, you shake the commissioner's hands. Mm-hmm. What's the next process? The next process, then you you get on the phone. You mm. get on the, on the yeah. You get on the phone with uh, with RC, with, your, with the GM, and with Pop. Mm. You know. So to me, that was like the first like wow. Like I'm actually really speaking to Greg Pop. <laughs> RC Buford, like this is crazy. Like I'm actually like the Spurs just drafted me. And the crazy part is that the Spurs was the remaining champ at that time. Uh-huh. They had just won a chip. Oh, so you were like, so I was like, whoa, wow, like, whew, like this is real. So you know, it was an unbelievable feeling. You know, for me, my agent in that draft. It's crazy. It was a uh, such a crazy draft. Uh, I want to I want to say five other French guy got really? drafted. Really? Wow. Five or four of the other French guy got drafted in that draft. Wow. So that night was just crazy, man. <laughs> Everybody was so hyped. Like it's like, man, it's like uh, how, is, how how that happened, man. Like <laughs> you know, you go from birdie having any French player in the NBA to all of a sudden there's like a wave of five players, and you know, I think it was was Joe. Petro that was drafted right mm. before me, 27. Mm. And then you had Ronnie Turiaf in the mm. second round. You had uh, Jedabal in the second round, too. Uh, who else? Oh, I, I, was Bob already in the league at the time? No, 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 no. He was later? He was younger, yeah. So, you know, I, maybe I forget somebody, but um, it, it was just an unbelievable feeling, man. I, I can never forget that, you know. And I was the first player to get drafted out of my agent company oh wow so this was a big deal and uh man we had a good good time that night you get to san antonio everybody talks about how the spurs are a model organization yeah but you know i get there later though i know i know okay. i know i'm i'm skipping your your, okay. your, your draft and stash here. Okay. i know you you know i ain't want to i know yeah i ain't get to that <laughs> i want to get to where you can get to san antonio okay. we're gonna skip the we're gonna skip the summer league situation it wasn't even summer league because after i got drafted in 05 i didn't i didn't join the nba i didn't make the big jump for two years to, right for, exactly that's what i'm saying yeah two but you went, but yeah but that summer league you had got hurt or something like that right no, the first summer league I played well. The second, the second year, my second year, that's when I got hurt. Okay, that's when you come in. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. So tell me, tell us about the this environment that the Spurs you hear about just being there with Pop and Hall of Famers like Tim Duncan, TP, Manu. <sighs> Unbelievable. You know, just talk about just briefly, like you get there, like you said, just one championship. So yeah. So my my first, uh, well, I get there first of all that summer that I, that finally was like, man. I'm going over, guys. Like, you know, I had played one year in EuroLeague. I felt like I, I had enough experience. I wanted to make that big jump. So that that summer, um, you know, right after the season, I, I fly to San Antonio, and I basically spent the whole summer there. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, to be honest with you, it, it was so crazy, especially right before training camp. And, like, when I actually, you know, stepped in the locker room and, and they put my name up, 
Mm. You know, and, and, and I looked around and I've seen the names mm. that were surrounding me. This was a surreal feeling. Wow. When I say, like, I, I was seen next to, so on my right was Tony Parker, and on my left, on my left was Bruce Bowen. You mm. know? And then you go around and you have the Michael Finley, mm-hmm. you, know, you have the Big Shot Rob, you, know? <laughs> you have Team Duncan, Manu Ginobili. Yeah, real vets. <sighs> Fabricio Alberto, Francisco Elson. The Jock, Jock Vaughn was there. JV was there, you know, email. Like, it, it, the list goes on and on. And like, the people that was in that locker, it was just crazy, <laughs> man. Right. I'm like, man, I was scared. I was scared. The first few practices, I was scared, man. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know if I belong. I don't want to mess up. Like, hey, it's just crazy, man. Like, I'm just a little kid from France, man. I see those guys on TV. Now I'm <laughs> playing with right. them. Right, sitting next to them. It's crazy. I'm having conversation with them. Right. You know, we're talking about the game. Like, what, what do I know about the game at that time? Like, it's crazy. Did it, did it help that TP was there? Somebody that you were familiar with? Tremendous. If it wasn't for him, I don't know how, how the whole thing would have went, man. You know, I, you know, Tony was, um, you know, like a, a big brother figure for me. You know, I went there. I didn't know nothing about San Antonio, like absolutely nothing. I had never put a foot in Texas in my life. And, um, you know, um, him being there, uh, and he really, really took me under his wing. And you know Tony, mm-hmm. you know, he's, uh, you know, he's an unbelievable character. And, uh if it wasn't for him, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, honestly, I don't know. So um, uh, he's, he's definitely played a, a great part in my early, you know, career, early stage career. I know one of the biggest, uh, I got a few stories from our time in San Antonio. <laughs> I got, uh, the one that sticks out to me the most is when you had to have ankle surgery. Yeah. So this is a quick story, everybody. I'm an intern with the Spurs. I'm on the strength staff. I'm just a peon. And uh, summer rolls around. Jan, you know, did something to his ankle. Not real sure. He had some kind of uh, floating fragment or some old bone. So, no, it was, it was some shit. <laughs> it was. So, make a long story short, um, we went to Gurk's camp oh, during yeah, the right. summer that's in right. Vegas. Yeah, that's right. First scrimmage. Right. I jump, me and Paul Millsup, we jump for a rebound. I come down on his foot, mm. rolled everything. In my in my ankle, everything. I go straight from the court to the ER. Damn. And then the next day we fly back to San Antonio. They put me in a boot. You know. Mm-hmm. Then you come in later right. that summer. Right. All right. Let me let me finish telling the story. This story is crazy. So I'm an intern coming in. The head strength and conditioning coach um, is with Manu in Argentina. The assistant strength and conditioning coach is with Tony in France. <laughs> so I'm the only strength and conditioning coach there. So they say, hey, E, all right, this is what you're going to do. Jan has to have surgery in L.A. I said, okay, cool. You got to go with Jan and his father to L.A. I had never been to L.A. before, so I don't know nothing about L.A. So I think we about to go turn up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> R.C. comes up. He called me in his office. He said, all right, Everest, this is what I want you to do. Here's my American Express car. I didn't know at that time it was called a black car. It was black. He handed me the black car. He said, I want you to make sure Jan has everything he needs. Jan and his dad. 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> I'm chopped liver. I'm <laughs> so he's like, you know, make sure Jan and his dad get everything that they need while he has a surgery and he'll be put up in a hotel for a few days. So you fly to LA, you have your surgery. I'm in the surgery room. I don't know if I ever told you. I mean, I'm in the surgery room watching him operate on your ankle. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Your foot's on the big screen, mm-hmm. the monitor. It was cool. We go to the hotel. You laid up for three days. Damn. Me and your pops waiting on your hand and foot. And then I'm like, how are we going to get back? And then you come to me, you say, E, they got me a PJ going back. <laughs> we had a PJ going in too, man. No, nah, we flew Southwest going in. We flew oh, yeah? Sa- yeah, we flew Southwest. Okay. Because they was like, they're not going to send you a PJ because you ain't hurt. <laughs> so it's me, you, and your dad flying Southwest. Everybody like, you know, what's this dude doing for the Spurs flying Southwest in San Antonio Airport? Are you sure? I promise you. I remember like it was yesterday. Okay. So when we came back, we flew the PJ back. Your foot was up. And we had all the food and drinks on the plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you remember what the pilot said when we land? What did he say? He said, uh, y'all know y'all pay for all these drinks and food in here. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> y'all going to take it with you? And my cousin always tell me, if it's free, give me three. <laughs> and so I remember, I'm, you remember, I'm looking at you like we got the bag, all the, the sodas and drinks and everything and took it out of the private party. Everything I remember. Pups was like, man, we taking we that take, stuff home. <laughs> your dad got the Heineken? Your dad got the Heineken? <laughs> <laughs> they were taking that stuff home. Uh, yeah, for, Spurs, first class organization, man. I appreciate them. You know, I had a lot of good stories. I got another story for us later. You'll remember in a second. So you leave San Antonio, you go to my hometown, Dallas, mm-hmm. and you get joined with the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. You're fortunate enough now at this point in your career to now play alongside two more potential Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers. More? Nothing more? Two more. I Dirk? mean, two, yeah, two more. Yeah, yeah Dirk yeah, and Jason yeah, Kidd. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. So yeah. now at this point, mm-hmm. you're a young guy. You done already played with four Four, I mean, maybe Bob, Big Shot Bob gets in one day. Maybe five yeah. Hall of Famers. So talk about your experience, your first couple of years in San Antonio, uh, excuse me, first couple of years in Dallas before 2011. Uh, no, but actually 2011, my first year. That was your first year? Yeah. Your first year, that's when y'all won? That's when we won. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, talk about talk about the first year then. <laughs> yeah, no, so. Because, um, you know, I left I left San Antonio in 2010, so yes. I didn't know. I didn't know how many more years you stayed at. So then, um Yes, that was the 2010-2011 season. Wow. So uh, after my three years in San Antonio, the, I ended up going to Dallas, and you know the big rivalry, you know, uh, between the Southwest. Spurs. Yeah, between the Spurs and the Mavs, you know. So I'm signing with the Mavs, and I'm thinking in my head, like, what the heck am I doing? Because <laughs> I, I was be- what? I, no, be- I said, what did y'all yeah. sign with the Mavericks out of yeah, all teams? Exactly, because I'm thinking, like, you know, when I'm, I'm with the Spurs, that's all I know, and we hate the Mavs with the passion back then, you I know. I was like, he's going to go San Antonio twice a year. You couldn't stay away. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm signing with the enemies. I'm going to the dark side. So I go, and um, and you know, my agent is like, man, you know, my agent lives in Dallas. Okay. Know, he has very uh, good relationship with Danny Nelson and them. So uh, I end up signing a two year deal with the Mavs, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting in the locker room, and same thing. I'm looking around, and I'm like. Oh, Gosh, like you know, Jake, Sean Marion, Jason Terry, know, Jason Terry, you know, D. Steve, Brandon Haywood, JJ Borea, Dirk Nowinski, Karen Butler, on and on and on. You know, I'm names on names. Man, hey, like, was Brian Carter on that team? Yeah, BC. Uh, I like there. him. He was, both, he was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, the same thing. I'm like, man, look at this, man. I mean, I'm very blessed, man. I'm like, man. So, first year, 
don't really have a high expectation. You know, I'm like, man, I'm just trying to fit in, man. There's so many good players, man. Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler, yeah. All that, man. I'm like, man, you know, if I can squeeze a few minutes here and there, I'm good, man. Right, right. So, um, you know, uh, and, and you make a long story short, like, we end up going to the champ. We end up going to the final against the first year of the big three in Miami. So, so y'all get to the finals versus the big three. You know, they had all that hype. Yeah. We're not going to win, but one, two, three, all yeah. the before the season. So when y'all get there, they got LeBron, they got all the mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade, all them dudes. Yeah. What was the feeling like? Okay, we here at the finals. No, but, you know, you got to understand there's a story also between the story because, you know, the Mavs lost, I want to say, two or three years previously, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and uh, they had this – bitter feeling in them like you know mm. this time it's our time it's our time we already lost like two years ago mm. three years ago i don't remember this time we ain't gonna let this thing <laughs> go away from us man so we played amazingly throughout the playoff when i say crazy we had the whole nba looking at us like yo the Mavs are the real deal I remember uh, playing with the Mavericks. My brother was shout out to my brother. He played with the uh, the Knicks. That's when I had Melo and Iman Shumpert on Two uh-huh. K. I used to play with the 2011 Mavericks on Two K. I used to sub in Jason Terry and <laughs> Dirk yo, and Sean Marion grab all the offensive rebounds. I used to start you the Jets <laughs> on you. the runway. <laughs> that's why I knew Brian Carter <laughs> would come in. His, his offensive rebounds was like ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a squad, and, and you know, for me, the, the crazy story for me was uh, I came from uh, I mean, I was the third big man, mm-hmm. and then Brandon got hurt, mm. and then I ended up playing major minutes in the final. Yeah, you got that big offensive rebound, crazy. I remember no, that. the the uh, the shot to beat the the, in the third quarter, in the third, third quarter. quarter. Yeah, I remember that. Come the on, bro. one legger. Come on, bro. I know anyway, <laughs> so we go on and win my first year. You know, win the cheap. I leave San Antonio where... Everybody think that you would win the San Antonio. Yes. <laughs> because my first game in San Antonio, I actually, um, I mean, I witnessed the, the guys getting their ring. Because ah. they won another chip the first year I got there. So my first regular season game, I was on the side watching everybody getting their ring. <laughs> and then, and then yep. the next three years, because I, I spent three years in San Antonio, the next three years, Nothing. <laughs> We getting smoked in the in the playoff for three straight years, man. You're like, this, this ain't what the Spurs are supposed to be like. <laughs> I die. So then I go to the Mavs, and then we go on and win this. You know, Crazy. so I had just unbel- like unbelievable early career. Like as as a young guy, as a young man, but also a young player, I was so fortunate to be around such high quality teams and coaching staff and goats. It's crazy, man. When I look back now, 13 years later, I'm like, man, you can't make that up. Cannot. You cannot, bro. You know, it's incredible. So we go on, win a championship in in 11. And then the following year, uh, we get smoked by OKC. (laughs) We smoked them the the previous year. They weren't ready yet. You know, they weren't (laughs) ready yet. They were babies yet. They were babies. (laughs) And then the next year, they were ready. (laughs) They swept well, us. And your coach now, your current coach, Scott Brooks, right? Yeah, and no, yeah, Scott Brooks was the coach. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Full so, circle. Yep. So, uh, so then, uh, yeah, that was my two years in Dallas. I had a blast, man. You know, I, I, honestly, I, this, and that's also when I really started to play. So, 
we had Mo Spates on. He talked mm-hmm. about when the Warriors won a championship their first year, the owners spent a million dollars on their on their party and weekend in Vegas. Tell me about what Mark. Tell me about <laughs> Mark Cuban. Mark. Everybody knows Mark Cuban is very generous to his players. <laughs> he loves his players. I heard the stories about y'all having robes and you know iPads in your locker, all kind yeah. of crazy stuff for the championship. What kind of red carpet did Mark Cuban roll out for y'all? Unbelievable, man. We went from the gym to the club, man. Who does that, man? That is crazy. From the gym, after taking all the pictures and and all this stuff, the champagne, straight to the club, you know, and I don't know how much was the bill, but, man, I know we had those big, as soon as we got to the club, we had those big, like, I don't know how you call them, those monster bottles. (laughs) And Grande. Yo, you needed two big security guys to pour the, the, that that's how big the bottle was like you know it's, a, it's, it's like a pff, humongous like crazy so you know we had you know all the drinks in the world you know we had um crazy that party was crazy when i say everybody was there i'm saying like lil wayne like damn trey like chris I, everybody <laughs> like everybody you could imagine was in the club you know and and we just had a, a you know everything's kind of a blur still to be <laughs> you know but um you know it, it was crazy because we got out of the club it was like six in the morning and you know a few hours later we hop on the jet and we went back to dallas and then it was non-stop again you know in dallas in dallas you know and then it, you know we so it was just an unbelievable time, you know. It's, it's some of the stuff you really got to leave, man. You know, like winning a championship, especially Dallas, has been waiting for that chip forever. I grew, you know, growing up in Dallas, you know, I was a huge Dirk fan because mm-hmm. I always felt like Dirk was like he had flavor, he had culture, he was other people. And then <laughs> when I found out Dirk was down with that chocolate, <laughs> I was like, I was, I was, hey, I became a super uh, Dirk fan. You know that. <laughs> Give me a funny dark story. Oof, there are so many funny. Like, you know, first of all, like when, when people see dirt, you know, they always see like the, the cold German, you know, kind of like blah, like, you know. And Dirk is like one of the funniest people on the planet. <laughs> you know, like, honestly, I didn't know what to expect from him. Like, you know, and when I got to meet him, you know, it's like, man, this guy is not a robot. <laughs> he's a human being like super nice super nice super funny always the first one to crack jokes on everybody including himself um <laughs> you know um a super super work ethic like i have never seen nobody you know and i've been with the greatest right but um him and auger unbelievable no question ask why he's so great <laughs> he put in time right putting work and um you know to see a guy like him a superstar so approachable so down the earth you know it's it's very impressive and to me those are the, the qualities that you find in leaders you know and and this it's it's like a it's like a pattern you know like every big time leader that i know are humble, have empathy, you know, have great work ethic, you know, are people that you could approach, very approachable. So, you know, Dirk, Tim Duncan, David West, 
Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, you know, all those guys, Luis Cola, all the same. <laughs> it's crazy. Jason Kidd, you know, Jason Kidd and his wife Porsche, we get to the we went to their wedding that summer. Uh, until this day, his wife still talks to my wife. Anytime I see JK, it's, it's all love. Like those guys are like some of the greatest, you know, that plays the game. But at the same time, they get so close to you, mm -hmm. you know. So it's so crazy. And then you see other guys that are nowhere near <laughs> those guys. They and you can't talk to them. That's that's the crazy part. That's about the crazy it. part. You can't crack a joke with them. That's crazy. You know, they f like they feel some type of way. You know, they can't relate to nothing you say. You know, and you know, like to me, Dirk is um, he, his impact that he had in my life was that. You know, to be able to see greatness, but at the same time, you know, the highest skills and the highest character. Mm. How, like it's crazy. That's leadership to me. That's leadership at its best. Right. I remember meeting Dirk one time. And he, uh, he spoke that German. And I, he was speaking that German. I was like, damn, what the hell is he saying? It sounds so cool. He's the first <laughs> person I ever heard speak German. That, plus on top of him just being always, like, giving to the fans in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Coming up, you know, I remember, like, uh, I think the first couple of years, he got his his, tooth, his teeth knocked out in the front, whatever. And, like, the fans still loved him. Like, go out there with no teeth, Dirk. We love you. I, I thought that was just super cool of him. Yo, they name a street. The Novinsky Way they should. By, by the arena. Yeah. All the, the streets need to be dirt, the man dirt is, drive. The, <laughs> the man is a legend. I love this guy, man, because to me, he represents everything that, you know, a leader is, you know. And on top of that, a kid from Germany. <laughs> Just a small kid from Germany. Right, right, right. That made it here. Right. It's incredible. Incredible story. You move on from Dallas, you know, mm -hmm. you, you made your, your mark in the playoffs with the championship team, move mm -hmm. on to the Pacers. Mm -hmm. And then you're really known around the NBA as this, you know, shot blocker, mm -hmm. this rebound, this rim runner, finisher at the rim. Mm -hmm. The Indiana is where you became the yes. real Yamaha. Yes, yes, I agree with you. You know, Indiana get, gave me the opportunity to really, you know, be good at what I wanted to be good at, which, you know, I always wanted to be a big-time defensive player. You know, and... Uh, when I signed with um, with uh, with the Pacers, you know, and I got to talk to Larry Bird, and I got to talk to um, Donnie Walsh, and and I got to talk to Frank Vogel, man, those guys, you know, made a, a tremendous impact in the way I saw the game, mm. and they allowed they allowed me to grow, they allowed me to do um, to do um, what I do, and. Uh, they allowed they, they allowed me to be a part of something special because we went back to back to the East, Eastern Conference Final. We couldn't beat the, the Heat you know, <laughs> two, two times, you know, twice in a row. And um, but we had great playoff run, you know, um, great core, you know, like that group of guys that was together for three, four years mm -hmm. was very close. Was Monte Ellis on that team? Tay was on the the team the last year. Okay, you know, but um, yeah, I want to say the core guys: David West, um, Roy Hibbert, George Hill, Paul George, myself. You know, we, we probably spent the most time together, 
And uh, man, we still close till this day. Nap, you know. nap town. Nap town, man. <laughs> you know that that blue collar, man. Yeah. Um, and and really, really mold me into the the players that I wanted to be. You know, mm. like I said, I, I wanted to be this defensive stopper. You know, I wanted to be this, you know, rim protector, paint protector. You know, I wanted to take on any challenge defensively and. And Frank and the whole Pacers organization—that's what they wanted. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, enjoy my time there, and uh, you know, help me become—you know—put my name, put my stamp, you know. And then I was known, you know. Finally, I felt like, all right, people know me. Yo, you ain't living your life right. Pick up your device right now. Well, if you're driving, stay focused on the road. And hit that subscribe, follow, semicolon, period, whatever you got to ensure that every week your eardrum is buzzing with our new episodes, all right? I'm subscribed. Yo, you subscribe? All right, we good. Let's get back to the show. So I'm just a six-foot-nothing strength coach. So I don't know what it's like to be up there in the sky, you know, trying to block a shot, block a dunk, come and help side. You know, I remember one time you telling me, you know, you know, Everest as a shot blocker, sometimes you you gonna block some shots and sometimes you'll get posted. Right, man. What's in your mind, your thought process when you see a guy out of your corner of your eye, like, oh I gotta I gotta help side, I gotta help side, I gotta attempt this shot, I gotta challenge it. What are you saying to yourself? You always gotta anticipate <laughs> because when you late, this is the NBA. <laughs> All you're gonna hear is boom. <laughs> If you late, you getting dunked on. You know, you got high flyers. You got a freak train coming at you full speed. Choo, choo. So what was the first time you got posters? You remember? No, I, but I mean, I got, I got dunked on. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But I do remember the one I looked at a one clip. Mm. Your countryman, your brother. Who? Nicholas Batum. Got, 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 he got you one he time. He got me one time, but I remember. I remember. I don't think it was crazy. It was it was, but it was a good one. It was a good one. It was a good one. He got over the top. Like I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't expect, I didn't expect it that. But you know, I, you know me as a shot blocker, uh, and as a rim protector, sometimes it's not about blocking a shot. Right. You know, sometimes it's just about, you know, alternate. Like you know, making making them, you know, think about something else, or making them, you know, be like, man, he's here. I, I got to put the ball a little higher. Maybe. Right. You know, it's about it's about changing shots. Right. So. Um, you know, I always try to be early. I always try to be loud. You know, sometimes just by saying something, oh, yeah. people is like, okay, <laughs> oh, he's here. You know, like, you know, so I always wanted to be a, you know, a paint presence. So, um, you know, it, it comes with, you know, a reward, but it also comes with a lot of highlights, man. And, and I've made, <laughs> and I've got dunked on many times. And I've dunked on people also You've dunked on plenty times. of people. you dunked on plenty of people. You but know, what but, about the times when you had a guy that was on a different team that dunked on you and came to be your teammate? Like Gortat, that one time. Oh. <laughs> so it happened with March? Mar- and, and Mike Scott, And too. Mike Scott. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had both of them uh, as teammates in, in – uh, <laughs> in in with with the wizards and it's so crazy every time that happened man we first thing first day let's get it out the way <laughs> let's get it out the way bring on the clips let's go okay then. 
And it's like, I gotta go, I gotta do a good session, man. I get a good session, everybody, you know, laugh about it, and you know, you, you watch it, and you know, it's funny, but it happens, man. It happens, like, like for example, with Mike Scott, when it happened, the crazy story, so, because it happened during the playoff, mm -hmm. so we're playing ATL, and You know, Mike kind of like Mike was very like under the radar. Nobody, nobody really knew about Mike Scott. I mean, they we knew that he could shoot the ball, like you know, but we didn't know he was that athletic. Like you know, like so when he dunked on me, <laughs> the next day I show up to practice. <laughs> the like those video guys are something else. <laughs> So they had put, like, you know, Mike has those emojis. Yeah, more tattoos, tattoos, yeah. All, they put emojis, uh, stickers all over my locker, <laughs> man. I'm like, those guys, man, those video guys were such fools, man. So, no, we got a good laugh out of it. You know, this is, this is the ups and downs in the league, but, you know, it's nothing but love. Your time in Indianapolis had produced some great, great play for you, which allowed you to be afforded to get this big boy bag <laughs> in 2016 with the Wizards. You know, all your accomplishments up until that point, the guys don't even get second contracts. You're working on, at this point now, your third contract when you get the contract with the Wizards. Mm -hmm. You know, so talk about just how excited you were that finally, you know, I, I'm I'm getting paid as equal to my peers for my play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I... Honestly, like my whole career, my my whole life, I never paid attention to my stats. Like after the game, I I never paid attention to my stats. Never really look online. You know, sometimes like media people will report to me and tell me about my stats. So, but I know what type of impact I wanted to have on the game. So, I felt very confident after all this time. And then, you know, uh, with my agent, uh, that free agency was the most stressful time in in in, in my whole. Uh, you know, career. Uh, it was just crazy because I felt like I kind of worked so hard to position myself where, you know, I I was deserving of a you know something nice. And uh, you ready to escalate? You were driving. <laughs> I still got to escalate. <laughs> The first but, series. <laughs> but, but no, but so it was a very stressful time. But then when it came, when the deal came, you know, it felt really good. It felt really good because you, you feel appreciated and you feel like everything that you, you've done your whole life, all the sacrifices you've done, you know, are being kind of rewarded. You know, it's like, man, like I've, I stayed under the radar, you know, I've worked my, my, my ass off, man. You know, no summers, you know, <laughs> it's a lot of work, you know, the downs, the lows, you know, my wife, my kids, you know, like, whew. It's like it's, it's some sacrifices, right? You know, so um, to get that, you know, it's like a reward, and it's like okay, whew, I had fate. It happens, and then, uh, but it's not the end of the story, right? So you get this big boy contract. This the big, big, big bag. What do you splurge on? What do you treat yourself to when you finally got this big contract? So I'm not a big splurger, man. You know, you know me, unless you buying clothes. I, I, I you know, yeah. I Hold like on, a hey, quick story about clothes. Yeah. Hey, this guy one time when we was in San Antonio, there's an outlet mall in San Marcos, Texas, y'all. That's still good. It's not that far from San Antonio. <laughs> this one day after practice, he was going out of town. As an intern, I didn't travel that much. I traveled seven games. But this particular time, he says, Aku, he called me Aku for my last name. He said, Aku, I need you to go get these Gucci shoes for me from the outlet mall. I said, what? 
I had never been to a Gucci store before. I didn't know anything about Gucci. My man up there, he gonna hold them for me. They got one size, size, whatever size you wear, 15 or some shit. 14. 14. So I, I drive up to the Gucci store. I didn't know they had Gucci outlets. I didn't know that existed. How does Gucci have an outlet? So I drive uh, up to the Gucci. Do you remember this store? Yeah. And so I drive up to the Gucci store in San Marcos, Texas. I walk in. I guess the dude thought he was going to see you. And he sees me. He said, I'm here to pick up some shoes for Yamahimi, blah, blah, blah. He said, oh, yeah, I got him right here. I looked at him. They were like regular basic-ass shoes that were like- They weren't basic, man. $400. They were white with the Gucci sign on the yeah, side. Tough. Tough. No, super basic. Super basic. I remember bringing them back. And I remember bringing them back when you came back from Road Trick. You said, hey, hey, beat me in my crib. So I brought them to your crib. And I was like, yo, these shoes look like regular shoes. And you showed me all the shoes you had at the top of your closet. I'm like, yo, this dude. I'm like, yo, how much money you gonna spend those shoes? At that time, you had a big bag at that time. Nah. He was like, "I like oh, this must be a, a a a French thing." No, that's that's <laughs> one thing I, I I did early on in my career. I spent I spent some money on sneakers and shoes, shoes and and designer shoes. And I'm not doing this no more. But <laughs> you got kids now. <laughs> I got kids, but you know, it's, it's I don't have the same relationship with some of those designer that I had back then. Mm. I do my research now. You know, yeah. educating myself a little bit. Yeah, more yeah, those. yeah. And um, you know it's it's different, but at that time when I signed with the Wizards to answer your question, uh, go ahead, say it, say it. No, I, so it was two things. You know, I, you know, I, I always I felt like I always felt like I was an entrepreneur at heart. Mm-hmm. You know, so I started to look at different businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always had my closing line. You know, and I had other stuff going on. And um, I wanted to open a restaurant. Mm. So I went and, you know, we talked maybe later about it, but Steak and Shake. So I did that, which was a pretty good investment. Mm-hmm. And then cars. Mm. So I bought my wife a car, mm. a G-Wagon. Ooh, G-Wagon. That was, a, that was a, a, a birthday present. She didn't know it was coming. And bah, bah, with the bone. And, and, you know, so I did it nice. And then... My dummy, so <laughs> what you going by? I went and bought a Ferrari. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I thought they gonna say S63. Remember, remember that the first time you told me I could not think I'm gonna buy the S63. Yeah, I had it. I and, still oh, have still, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so your tall ass here to never. So I'll go and buy a FF Luso, man. Ooh, it's the long body, so. Like two miles a gallon? I don't know, man. At that time, I didn't care. I just, you know, this that's that, that was my only mistake, man. I'm like, what the heck am I? But that doing? was like, you know, it lasted a few months. Few it months? Not, yeah. You don't get a Ferrari for a few no, months? But no, what the heck am I doing? Driving a Ferrari in, in DC, man? Oh for, yeah. No, in this traffic. Why you, for why what? you ain't keeping it in San Antonio? No, oh. we're not even home like that. I mean, in summertime is hot. No. No, this is this is not even me. You know me, like this is not me, man. So it was cool for a minute. You know, I had it, I drove it. You know, I had fun, and and then I sold it back. Ah, uh, and do you, when you sell it back, like did they give you like a, a option to buy another one or something like that? No, I, 
because back that's when I got the S63. Oh, okay. You know, so I'm like, man, this is more my speed. You know, <laughs> Low-key. Yeah. More every low day. Key, more every day, more, com- more comfortable. Because Ferrari is not that comfortable, man. It don't it's, look comfortable. It's fast. It's, you know, it's, it's flashy. It's nice. But it's, it's, not, it's not that comfortable. Man, you couldn't even really drive it really fast or nowhere. There's I no- was when I was going to the airport. You know, because ah, we go out in way far, so Yeah, it's far. far. So I was, I was <laughs> pedal to the floor, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was flying. So the last couple of years in uh, Washington, you know, I know you're you so used to having. I don't want to say uh, not dysfunction, but it's been up and down for you in Washington as far as management, the plays. It's been a roller coaster. The, I agree with you, you know, some locker room issues. Yeah. You know, so how have you? You know, y'all kind of passed all that. Y'all got the new management. Y'all got some really good young players. Mm-hmm. I really like Rui. Rui, mm-hmm. he's really good. Uh, I think I saw a happy birthday uh, little uh, video like with a rookie saying to you in the different languages <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So just talk about how the Wizards just you know kind of turned that thing around now. It's been uh, it's been great to see. You know you got to see the lows, man. You got to be in the lows. You know you got to go through adversity. You know not everything is going to be perfect. And you know as bad as at some time we 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 looked you know like especially from the outside I, i've got so many people telling me what the heck is going on i was on so mad at y'all's team i remember when i saw you when i came when yeah, i was yeah. with the chinese team yeah, yeah. i was so pissed at y'all's team i was so mad exactly because i was like what are they doing over there exactly here? man so many people said like, well, you, you guys got all these freaking talents what the fuck is going on man? what so you guys mad. are doing i like, was so mad because coming from san antonio i just think san antonio you at dallas i'm like damn y'all must be miserable over there <laughs> i think about it all the time it was tough you know know the highs the lows but you got to go through some adversity man you get it, it, it's, i was very fortunate for i want to say my first um yeah my first nine years to be to be on teams like you know really good teams and, and not too much craziness you know especially off the court stuff so um but you gotta understand like Every team has problems. Yeah. Every team has Every, issues. Right, right. Every team goes through hard time. Right. Even the Spurs. Even the team that looks like they're like super clean. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No, they go through some stuff. Every team. Right. So with the Wizards, it was just bigger issues. You know, it was just like over and over. And, you know, to see where, how far we came and like the spirit that we have right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the energy displayed and the young guys buying into the coach and the coaching staff and the front office energy is great, man. It's great for the city of Washington because it's been tough. And it's great for me, you know, because <laughs> I've, been, I've been to to this and, and John Wall and, and Bradley Beal. You know, it's, um, it's, it's great, you know, to see that. There is a real change, you know. Mm-hmm. We really turned the corner, and you know, we on to, you know, better thing. Even though we still have our issues right now, right? You know, right. but you know, we have turned the corner, and and we're looking uh, at a brighter side. Turn the corner, changing the game has changed a lot since when you first came to the league for big men. Big men were more like the back to the basket, you know, scoring the paint. Now you got all your big men, you know, they're evolving to, they're moving around so mm-hmm. much, shooting threes. Even you, you know, you out here shooting three. You know, recent with your career high a few weeks ago, popping two threes, and and I'm like, I'm just seeing everybody out there. It's just a big shift. What's mm-hmm. your thought on just the game today versus you know, when you first came in the league? It's very challenging. 
I'll tell you that much because, you know, if you remember when I came in the league, man, we had big men. I'm saying like <laughs> goons. The, the straight goons, man. <laughs> the Shaq, you know, the Zoe Morning, the, the, uh, the Al Jefferson, the the Pris Builder, the, the, the Yao Ming. Like, Ooh. hey, I had some rough night. Chris <laughs> Cavan, we was banging. <laughs> like, my first year, you remember, I was, I was skin, very you're skin, thin, you're, you're very skinny, so you being, I was going to ask you that. You know, you had, you were a buck, a buck oh five. <laughs> <laughs> you're smoking wet. No. You're, you're on the paint trying to guard Shaq. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, my first year, I realized that, man, if I want to last in this league, I got to put on some weight, mm. serious weight. Mm. So that's when I start lifting heavy and like, man, if I got to go bang against those monsters, man. <laughs> yo, uh, after the games, man, put my whole body in the cold tub, man. <laughs> I'm sore. <laughs> like, like, no, so coming in the league where it was a very much big man, you know, league, you had to have bigs if you wanted to win. And now we shifted completely on the other side, man. It's mm. a guard-oriented league, and you know everything is fast-paced. There's barely any back-to-back players, back to the basket, sorry, players. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a complete change. It's like uh, I've seen this chart the other day. Somebody sent it to me. It's either there is almost no mid-range no more. There's either paint points. Or threes, you know. I show you the. I have. I have this. Uh, this chart. But it's uh, the game is, is completely changed, and uh, for me, it's a challenge, and it's a good challenge. You know, it's a good challenge. Um, it it forces me to evolve. You know, as a player, forces me to reinvent my game. You know, forces me to get out my comfort zone, and. Uh, and still find my way to be somehow efficient in this new NBA, you know. But it is a real challenge, you know. Like, you have to do stuff that you're not used to do. You have to work, work, work constantly and be open-minded, you know, and be coachable, you know, to change your game. And uh, and it has been tough. And, uh, and um, But at the same time, like, I really really deeply enjoy the process of, mm. you know, having to reinvent the game and having to work on stuff that put me in a really uncomfortable situation and, and get out of this comfort zone and, you know, let's do it. Let's try it. So now you're the vet. Yeah. So how weird is that, you being the vet? I think I saw a little video where y'all make uh, the young boy, uh, the young boy, what's the man's name? Uh, Showfield, carry around, the boom, uh, carry around the boom box yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What is it like now, you being the vet versus back when you had to bring the donuts and, you know, the Krispy Kreme and all that I'm stuff? Not, actually, you know, I think I'm a pretty pretty easy vet, man. I don't make them do half of the stuff I did, you know, as a Give me a hazing man. story for you. Give me some hazing. No, like I don't know if you did it, but like, the, my first few road trip was rough, you know, with the Spurs. I had to get the bags off the plane, you Ooh. know, like on the, on the, on the big on carts. The tarmac? On the tarmac. I had to like go deliver, like you know, in the morning when you have shoot around, mm-hmm. like how like usually the equipment manager they go and drop your gears on mm-hmm. your door early in the morning. And I had to do that. I had to meet the equipment manager, and I had to go with my the room list 
<laughs> and go to every player's doors and put their gears in. You know, some players, they want you to knock on the door. Some of them, they don't want you to knock. Yeah. So you got to pay attention. Yeah. So I had to do this. I had to go get Krispy Kreme for some that loves Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> and some of those, like TD, that didn't like Krispy Kreme, that wanted Cheaply's donuts. I had to go to Cheaply's, but the Cheaply's was all the way on the other side from Krispy Kreme. <laughs> And I had to be the first one in the gym, so uh. I had to go get Krispy Kreme at freaking six in the morning. I'm like, come on, <laughs> what am I doing? And then you get to the arena, you put the boxes, the hot Krispy Kreme donuts, Ooh. you put the chippies on the table. They don't even touch <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even touch and join. You like, what the heck am I? Everybody else eat them beside you. Everybody else eat those. Youth, like people like you, video guys. Everybody's just crushing them donuts except the players. I'm like, man, what the heck am I doing all this for, man? They had me driving all across town for nothing. But you know, I don't really. I don't. I don't even have the the rookie do that. Us. But there's a lot of hazing stories out there, the popcorn and the... Yeah, you, you know, know, we the, do the Chick-fil-A on the planes, yeah, you know. Chick, so, yeah, the, wear, wear the little pink backpack, you know, yeah, you see all kind of crazy. John likes to have the little, the, the, <laughs> the rookie wear the, the pink backpack, you know, the, the carry the, the boom boom box, um, you know, carrying waters, you know, for after the game, Gatorade and stuff like that, uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's nothing... Like, it's, it's very light compared to some of the stuff I had to do, you know. And uh, and I think it's just me, you know. I don't want to say, you know, I, I don't want them to feel the way I felt. But, you know, it's like, come on, man. Just be a good rookie for you. <laughs> if you're not a good rookie, if I tell you to do one, like, one thing, one easy thing. Right. One time and, and you give me attitude. Oh, then it's, I'm it's all. Then it's on. <laughs> then it's on. <laughs> Then I got some tricks for you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But if, if, you know, if if not, man, most of those guys, they're like such good guys, man. Right. They're such good, like school and, and Rui and, you know, those guys, Garrison and it's, they're great kids, man. You know, so it's like. It's, you don't want to be mean to them? It's not that I don't want to be mean. They don't give me no reason to be mean. You know, they do what they're supposed to do. So, you know, move on. <laughs> Moving on, I think um, I haven't got a chance to really tell you this personally, but one of the things that I noticed and one of the things that really caught my attention that I know had to be a personal accomplishment for you and so got a lot of national attention uh, with your clothing line that you have, French Deal. Mm-hmm. Um, your company outfitted the uh, the late grade Nipsey Hussle mm-hmm. for his Grammy nomination yes. uh, with the iconic red blazer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want you to tell the fans out there, like, how did that collaboration happen? This was such a long shot, man. You know, uh, Nipsey is such a different, different guy, man. Different spirit, different character. You know, he, uh, he so we knew um, his people that, um, like, his marketing people, and uh, and Nipsey is very, very, um, I want to say. Um, pays close attention to what he does. You know, mm-hmm. Every move that he makes is well thought. Like, he don't do anything like that. So, <clears throat> the message that we uh, displayed and the message that we, we try to send to the people with our clothes, talk to him. Mm-hmm. So, he was like, man, that French deal, I like it, man. You know, it's like, I like it. So, we actually, he actually wore different pieces, you know, to different stuff. 
Mm. And the Grammys was a good start, but we had so much more coming. Mm. We were really on the verge to do a big collaboration with Nips. Like, it, it, when he got shot, like, me and my partners, like, we couldn't believe it. It was like, we were just with him a few weeks ago in L.A., talking this big collaboration and how well he liked the brand. So for us, it was it was almost unreal. It was like a, the first time that we got respect from a superstar like that, you know. So for us, it was the beginning of the journey. It was the, okay, we're in now. You know, we have Nipsey with us. With us. We're going to take over the world. This happened. We couldn't believe it. Like, one of the saddest news French deal had to go through. Our main guy, we thought was going to have this great collaboration with, just gone like that. So, you know, it was tough, tough blow. Uh, obviously, Tough blow, that's nothing for French Deal. The tough blow is for Nips and his family. Obviously, going through this is it's, it's unreal. But, uh, you know, we were just happy and we felt so fortunate that he actually picked us, you know, to, um, you know, dress him for the Grammys. This is such a big thing. You know, now every time you Google Nipsey, every time, you, you know, there's something about him and they show him and they show his last appearance at the Grammys, you see the jacket. It's crazy. So we actually got the jacket back. Really? In Paris, yeah. And we framed it. Wow. Um, that's like the Hall of Fame jacket. Where you keep it in, uh, like, your vault, your home? or No, we have a showroom in oh, Paris. Really? Okay. We have a showroom in Paris and um, it's there. And, um, you know, we'll keep it forever. This is like, uh, uh, never going to sell these. This is such a, this is a piece of our French deal uh, story. Wow. That's big. Every time I see that picture, I think about you. It's crazy, man. I think about him and I think about Mm -hmm. you immediately. It's so crazy, man. Every time, like sometimes me, (laughs) my wife will be watching TV, boom, and this come up and it's like, man, there's, there's, there's the jacket. Wow. Man. So as your career winds down, mm-hmm. you know you talked about you know your your endeavors in entrepreneurship, the restaurants, the uh, French deal. Mm-hmm. You didn't mention you know the uh, basketball team that you're yeah majority uh, owner majority ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about some of the things that you you know foresee yourself doing. You know once the basketball stops, you know you have the I Am Foundation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're traveling all over the world in the summertime, holding mm-hmm. hosting basketball camps. You know. Yep. Uh, what do you see Yamahimi doing? You know, when the when the when the time comes to hang it up. You know, it's more of that. You know, I I love being in contact with people. You know, I love the people. You know, I love to travel. I love to impact the youth. You know, um, I love um, I love to grow as a man. You know, um, obviously I love being a basketball player, and this is what I do, and this is my heart. And but you know, uh, I, I I value also being a good human being. You know, and and with, with everything that's going on in this world, you know, and and everything that's being driven by the money and and all this stuff, man, I, you know, I I really like to step away from it. You know, I like to you know connect to the people. 
you know, have simple meal, simple conversation, uh, you know, travel, get to know people. And, and I think that um, throughout the game, throughout basketball, you know, you meet a lot of people. You meet a lot of people, you can impact a lot of people. So um, I'll do that. I continue to do that. The restaurants is also another amazing adventure where, um, you know, um, I get to grow as a businessman and the clothes, you know, the clothes, the closing line is, 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 you know, obviously getting me closer to, you know, what I like to do, which is, you know, you know um, I like fashion. And you don't like fashion. You love fashion. I, I do love fashion. I feel like you, I feel like you invented the drip in the NBA. Because wasn't nobody wearing the high, high pants before you, I don't feel. I feel like I you were the first one. I don't know, man, but. Uh, Who got the best drip in the NBA, you think? The best, like, the best dress besides you? It's, it's, it, I feel, honestly, like, for me, it's nobody best because I feel like my my vision of fashion is my vision. Mm. You, you know, everybody's vision of fashion should be different. Okay, well, who do you like then? Who do you like? I like a lot of guys, you know. I, Give me top two. I, top two. You know, I like the way um, Chris Paul dress. Mm. You know, I feel like, you know, he knows what he's doing. You know, Chris Paul and Braun, both of those guys, they know what they're doing. But on the on the other side, you have the young fellas, you know, <laughs> like Russ, like like Kuz, you know, like Shy, like those guys. They have they have their own lane. You, you like know? and you like and you respect that. And I respect that because it doesn't matter, you know, what other people think. Express yourself. Mm. Your fashion might not be my fashion, but you know, I respect the heck out of it. Mm. You know, so. Um, being having a closing line allowed me to do that, but throughout my closing line, I can also bring, you know, who I am, mm. you know, and you know, I'm a big time advocate of Africa, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I get to I get to bring Africa with me when I do that, and uh, I love it. You and wife are gonna try for that uh, boy. You know, you got three no, girls. I got three no. girls. And I think that's, that's it. Good. I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna are you, are you gonna be like uh, Kobe uh, uh, with, yes. the, with with the with the daughter traveling <laughs> around? You gonna be that like Kobe? They gonna be that dad? Because you your ta- your daughters are tall. Yeah. No, I don't know. You know, I actually, you know, my my Camille, she's tall. Right? She Camille's tall, but I'm I'm just like to me, I really want my girl to do everything I didn't do. Mm. So I don't I don't push them towards any sports. You know, I don't. I don't especially encourage them, like, you know, when they want to, you know, I'm like, if you want to do it, let's do it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to push you that way, you know, and um, I'm hoping that the those beautiful, smart, intelligent, brave girls are going to do everything I, I didn't do. I remember coming to your wedding, mm-hmm. and I remember, hey, if y'all have never seen a wedding, this guy had a wedding like no other. I'm not talking about it was flashy. I'm not talking about it was just super expensive. This guy is the only guy I've ever known that had a wedding, had a room specifically for kid, people who had children. He had a, a nursery at his wedding. And my son at the time, he was like maybe six months old, and we brought him. And he was like, yeah, well, I got a room for little E. He was the only baby in there. You remember that? Yeah, of course. And so I remember, you know, just you have you just always making everybody feel comfortable. So um, I just I've been with you since the beginning of your journey as your friend and and your brother to see where you are now. You know, before you had children, you know, before you were married to now. You know, I knew you when you was a young black child running wild <laughs> to now. And I just wanted to say, 
Um, I appreciate you, brother, and um, I respect you. You know, I'm so happy for you and your career and your endeavors. You know, I'm happy that you have a beautiful family. Uh, shout out to my girl, Lexus, if you hear this, you know, um, I'm just so happy and proud of you that you, you know, you kept it all the way 100 the entire time. And that's love, man. One other quick story real quick before we get out of here. I, when I was when we were back going back to San Antonio real quick, and you know this because you said something about uh, ice tubs and, and uh, cold baths. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys, it was Jan, George Hill, Malik Harrison, mm-hmm. James Gist. Mm-hmm. I was uh, appointed as head strength coach for the Spurs Summer League team. And these guys, I worked these guys for like two or three weeks straight. So I knew we had to go to Summer League. We had to win. And these guys, the last day of summer, uh, last day of summer training before we went to Vegas, these guys bum rushed me, threw me into the pool at the Spurs practice facility. Uh, that's what we do, baby. And then they was like, "We love you, but we hate you." So Jan had my legs, George Shield had my hands, and just basically threw me into the water like I was some rag doll. <laughs> that's what we do when we love you, man. You know, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you more than you think, man. You've been, like you said, you've been with me from day one. So. I value everything you said way more than just a regular Joe, man. Um, so thank you. Thanks for having me tonight. Um, you know, I wish you uh, lots of uh, successful podcast. you know, in, yeah. in the near future. And uh, you know me, I'm your brother. If you ever need me, I'm here, man. I'm here for you, baby. Well, I appreciate you coming on the No Referees podcast. That's uh, Jan Mahimi. You can find him at, at Yanu76. Uh, thank you for coming on, brother. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Referees podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this show. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media at No Referees Pod. To the next episode, we out.